about each one of us. And I thank you so much, Lord, that you know it all and you still love us. Yes. You still desire that relationship with us, with all of our problems and all of our, our uh, failures and mess-ups and baggage that we carry, Lord. You still love us and you still want to be in our lives. You want to be connected with us so close that nothing can separate us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you experienced all the pain and suffering and sorrow. You know every sorrow, every pain, every moment of rejection, every physical pain. You know it all because you experienced it when you walked as a man on this earth. You experienced the rejection of those who were supposed to love you. You experienced the accusations those who were supposed to believe in you you experienced the sorrow of those who didn't come to you I thank you Lord that you know exactly what we're going through you want us to know how much you love us today Lord I pray that each person here they would sense your great love for them that there would be no no doubt, no fear, no confusion, no intimidation. No activity of the enemy could stop a person today from coming into your presence. Coming to you and saying, here I am, Lord, with all of my problems, all of my brokenness, all of my baggage and everything that I am. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I just want to give it all to you. Lord, loose people today to hear from you to hear those words that you've always said, Lord, but we want to hear it clearly today. Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, just lay your baggage down, lay all your burdens down, lay all those, those things that you're trying to work out and carry on your own strength, just lay it all down. Come to the Lord today and receive his forgiveness, receive his favor and his blessings, receive the redemptive work that he performed on the cross. He wants to make all things new. Thank you, Lord, that you are working that in us today. Pray now that you continue to speak that over us, Lord, as we, as we go about the rest of the service. Lord, I, I want each of us to go out of here changed, that we would have heard from you, that we didn't just come and and do church, but we came and experienced you this morning. Speak to us now. Continue to draw us close. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. So, uh, Eliana and Alex and Isabel, you guys will come up here and sit right here in front of the, the tank. Uh, I'm going to have a couple of questions for you. Real simple answers. Just a yes answer. You don't have to give any kind of an essay or anything. And then uh, we're going to baptize you. So we'll go right over there in those seats over there. All right, so this, uh, this is a, uh, a time that we, we celebrate because you're agreeing to walk with the Lord. And you're doing that in a way you're, you're making a commitment in front of this whole body. And uh, it's a public commitment. You're not going to have to say anything publicly, but it is a public commitment. 
And so I want to read you a passage of scripture, and this is for all of us, but especially for you guys. This is Romans 6. Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also be uh, in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So, here's the deal. You're not really going to die, but you're just going to go under the water, symbolizing that you're being buried with Christ in his death and burial. And then you're going to come out of the water as a new person, just like Jesus came out of the grave as a new person. And so the simple question is, have you given your life to Jesus? Yes. Yes. Okay. And have you, uh, have you committed that you're going to walk with him all the days of your life if God's grace enables you, which it will? Yes. 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 Okay. So, Isabel, you want to be first? Yes. Yes. That's the answer. Can you step over or you need some help? There you go. All right. So what we're going to do is turn, turn around where your back is over here. All right. And just go ahead and sit down. <laughs> put, your, put your knees in because I'm going to have to lean you all the way back. So just sit on your... There you go. There you go. All right. It'll feel better when it's all over. I, this is nice and warm. Man, it's all, you know, swimming pools are like this. You'd be swimming all the time. Okay, so now, uh, in obedience to the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I now baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised with him the newness of life. Amen? You step right out here. And you can drop just that. You can just go right back that way. Okay, come on, Alex. This is my grandson. I know him pretty well. All right, turn around this other way. There you go. Sit down. Put your feet up this way. Because I've got to, you're going to get bent. All right, there you go. Okay. Move up a little bit. Okay. So, in obedience to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ, and upon your confession of faith in him, I now baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism and raised to newness of life. Amen. Eliana? Um, yeah, give a glass. If you, if you need some help, I can help you get in there. You, there you go. Okay. All right. Turn around like this. Okay. And you can just stand. I believe you're short enough we'll be able to do this. Okay. So, in obedience to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I now baptize you now, my sister, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, buried with him in baptism, raised to newness of life. Amen. All right. There you go. Here you go. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
All right. Amen. All right, we got it done. Did you know, in, in, uh, it's not that way in this country, but in a lot of foreign countries, especially where there's a lot of Islamic influence, when, when you are baptized in water, it's like everything changes. You can say, I'm a Christian, but when you do this, I mean, people turn their backs on you. They walk away from you. They say, you're not our family anymore. I mean, they, they take it really seriously. And I think it's because they understand the spiritual implication. This is a big deal. We are saying that you are taking a step now where you're proclaiming from this day forward. I'm telling everybody, this is me. This is who I am. The old man is gone. Doesn't mean you've got to be perfect. But it means you're going to walk with the Lord now. Amen. Go ahead. Huh? So I, this is kind of a weird story. But uh, as I used to do a lot of stuff with the children's ministry. And, and I... I did this lion's roar because it was interesting. The kids always liked it. And, uh, and I, I learned that by practicing many years. My dad used to talk about when he was a young man, he lived uh, on the, uh, not too far from downtown Fort Worth. And he said at night, they sleep with their windows open and they could hear the lions roaring in the zoo. And so I always thought about that. And I've always envisioned those lions roaring. And so it goes kind of like this. Anyway, that's the lion's roar. But you notice that all those songs we sang at the beginning were all talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah, and that's who Jesus is. And I always think about that. Did you ever see that uh, movie, the, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the, you know, the, the Chronicles of Narnia and all that? There's one place in that where the lion, who represents Christ, and he's, he is bounding across this field, you know, and he tells the kids, you better close your ears because it's going to get loud. And he roars, and it's just, Roar! and, you know, it just makes me think, you know, when, when God, when God speaks, when that lion roars, stuff happens. It changes things. And that's what we want. We want to hear from God. <clears throat> Amen. All right, so, so it's good to see everyone. Thanks for uh, families for supporting your, your, um, your children that are being baptized and continue to support them, pray for them, encourage them. And we're going to do that as well. And we've been studying in Colossians 2. And um, this is going to be interesting this morning because um, we're going to talk about some things that I think you'll be able to relate to it, although uh, it's, it's a cultural thing. And so you, you might not be able to figure it out immediately, but as we go along, I think it'll all make sense. The title of this would be, Don't Get Cheated. And if you read the, the passage, uh, Colossians, we're going to start reading in verse 15 through 18. We talked about 15 last week, but we're going to read it to kind of get the context of it all. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And we talked last week about how that is, uh, that is Jesus through what he did on the cross. He's taking away all the power and authority that the enemy had. He's wiping out all the, the written things that were against us in the law and the things the enemy has tried to accuse us of. And he has openly triumphed over them through his cross. And then Paul says, so let no one 
judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility, worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So that word in verse 16, that word so, uh, in, in some versions it says therefore, it is a connecting word. And what you, when, I had a Bible teacher always, when you see the word therefore, he said you need to find out what it is therefore. And so you see therefore or so, and then you want to find out how that connects with the previous verses because it's all in context. And so Paul is saying to the Colossians, let no one judge you in these things because he's referring back to the verse before which says that Christ through his cross and what he accomplished, he's disarmed all the principalities and powers. He's defeated everything that Satan has tried to do. He's taken away all the curse of the law, all the things that are against you. And he has made it so that you can walk in freedom. And so Paul is saying, look, you've got all this freedom. Why are you going back? Why are you going back to the old? Let no one judge you. And that word judge, in the Greek, it's krino. It means to select or choose. Properly, it means to distinguish. So think about that. Don't let anyone distinguish you because of how you eat or drink or the, the ways that you believe. Don't let anyone separate you or choose you. You know, I'm... I choose you for this team, I choose you for this team, selecting sides. We don't want to be judged that way. By implication, that word chrono means to try, condemn, and punish. So even more specifically, don't let someone try you, condemn you, and try to punish you because of what you believe about things. In their case, it was food, it was drinks, it was certain days, it was festivals. We have the same thing going on today. It's not quite the same culturally because then they were under the law. And so the people that were Jews, they believed, you know, you can only eat the things that are prescribed in the law. You, you have to not eat the things that were not prescribed by the law. And they had another thing because the, all the idolatrous worship, people would use meats that were offered to idols and then they would take them down to the market and sell them for food. And so the Jews, it was like, whoa, you can't eat, you can't eat that because it's defiled. I mean, it was a big deal. And so you had, you had these uh, Jewish Christians, you know, they were, they were Jews, and they became believers in, in Jesus as the Messiah. And as they walked with the Lord, then some of the other Jews that were not quite so enthusiastic about everything that Jesus has done, they would come in and start saying, oh, you still got to keep the law. You know, just because you believe in Jesus, you still got to keep the law. You still have to be circumcised on the eighth day. You still have to, you know, eat the right foods and not eat the wrong foods. You, you know, and they started trying to bring them back in to obeying the law. So that's what Paul is talking about. He says, don't let someone try you, condemn you, and punish you because of what you believe. Now, if you are in a heretical doctrine, I mean, if you 
are absolutely in error and it's something that could cause you to lose your salvation or not even have salvation because you don't believe that Jesus is the way, I mean, you know, you can talk to someone about that and say, look, you know, let, me, let me show you what the Word of God says. But even then, you should not be judging one another. And I always, I always go back to how Jesus responded to people. When he walked on earth as a man, he talked with all kinds of people. There were sinners. There were religious people. There were people that, I mean, in their eyes, they were righteous. They had everything figured out. They were doing all the right things. And there were people that were so ashamed of their life that they wouldn't even look up when he came near them. But in each of those cases, his response was the same. He loved them. He had compassion for them. And he tried to help them find the right way so that they could walk into freedom. The woman taken in adultery. You know, he didn't say, boy, you are really a rotten scoundrel. He worked it out. He said, I don't condemn you. Go and don't sin anymore. That's the whole point of this whole relationship with the Lord. It's not, it's not to bring condemnation on you. It's not to point out those who are good and those who are bad. It's so that we will walk with the Lord. Go and sin no more. That means be free. Just like we talked about in the water baptism. You're buried with Christ. You're raised to newness of life. The old man's dead and buried. That's what we do with dead things, right? You bury them. And then you, you come alive. That's what you do. You're living a new life. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things are passed away. All things are becoming new. So don't let someone judge you over that. Now, there's all kinds of things today that we have in our lives. Some do, some don't. Um, you know, I personally don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke. I don't cuss. You know, but I know people that go to church that do some of those things. And I'm not going to judge them over that. I don't think it's really healthy for them. But on the other hand, that's between them and God. I'm just saying, that's, that's between them and God. I'm, I'm not going to judge them over that. But I don't want them judging me because I don't do those things. And you could go, you could have a list a mile long with a hundred things. You know, I mean, it could be anything. Anything that you do or don't do, someone else is going to look at it and say, well, that's weird. Why don't you do it that way? You remember the, the story about, uh, what was it, Gulliver's Travels? The Lily Putins or whatever, you know, they, uh, they, they were at battle, war with each other because... They cracked the wrong end of the egg or whatever it was. You know, I mean, they couldn't come to agreement about which was the right way to crack an egg, the little end or the big end. You know, that's worth fighting over. Uh, so, so, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, we have stuff like that between husbands and wives. You know, you squish the toothpaste from the end or from the, the middle or whatever and all kinds of things. You know, there's, I mean, you, you could find something to be crossways with people over in any part of your life. And there's always some dear saint who would like to point that out to you. <laughs> That's what I've noticed is that there's always someone who is more than happy to say, why do you do it this way? You know, man, you did really good, but, you know, that's, uh, you know, when you hear the but, you know, you know it's coming. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that to one another. We shouldn't do that to people out on the street. We should, we should always react and act in love and kindness and patience and uh, mercy and compassion 
That's the way we're supposed to be. That's the way Jesus was. We ought to be that same way. It's not easy. Especially with people who, who are really antagonistic and aggressive about some of this. It's harder to just let it slide and let it go. But I believe that we can do that. We can, we can smile and we can endure and we don't have to respond to everything that happens. Don't let someone judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. So food and drink, it literally, it is food, but it also means eating. And so it could be a specific food or it could be just eating in general, the way that you eat, whether you, you eat uh, like a vegetarian or you eat like a carnivore, you know. You know? <laughs> Personally, I kind of like meat. I'm, I'm into meat. Uh, most men are. But I'm not going to judge you if you don't like meat. And, but I don't want you to judge me because I like meat. And uh, so it's the same way with drinks. You know, if you like to drink water exclusively, great. If you like to drink a soft drink from time to time, great. If you want to drink a beer from time to time, I'm not going to condemn you over that. I'm not really going to give you a great blessing over it. But on the other hand, I'm not going to condemn you over it. That's between you and God. The Holy Spirit is able to talk to you about your situations and tell you the things that he wants you to do or not do. I don't need to tell you that. I'll read God's word and I'll make my determination about what's right. You read God's word and let him tell you what's right. And we'll all get along. I won't have to publicly rebuke you and you won't be questioning me all the time. We'll get along because we'll love one another. We'll let each other do what we feel like we ought to be doing to please the Lord in our lives. Years ago, I read a little pamphlet, and it, it was entitled, Others May, But You Cannot. Now, I've never forgotten that, because what it was really saying was that for you, it would be a sin to do this, but you see other Christians, and they do it all the time, and for them, it's not a sin, because God hasn't dealt with them about it yet, maybe. I mean, we're all in a different place in our walk with the Lord. Maybe you've been a believer for 25 years. Maybe you've been a believer for two weeks. Well, you're going to be having a different set of convictions that the Lord has put in your heart because he doesn't overwhelm you. He doesn't come to you and say, you've got to be perfect right now. That's not the way it works. He comes to you and he says, there's an area in your life that I want you to work on. And he, and he points it out and he lovingly and patiently helps you walk through it until you get victory. And if you don't get victory, guess what's going to happen? You're going to keep repeating the test. You don't really fail. You just keep taking the test over and over again. And so if you have difficulties in relationships, people, you know, you wonder, why is this person so abrasive? Why can't I get along with them? Well, maybe, maybe some of it is you. Maybe God wants you to change. So he keeps allowing people to come in your life that are abrasive. And you keep thinking, why do I keep having to deal with these people? They're all mean and nasty. And if you just change yourself, those people wouldn't be so mean and nasty anymore. You get to where you actually could love them and uh, you get along with them just fine. I've actually proven that myself in my life. I've, I've done it. I know it works. And also, I know that God keeps bringing people into your life until you change because I've seen that too. So we don't want to be judged over the things that we do, the way that we talk, things that we eat or don't eat. Romans 14 says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. In other words, just let it go. 
For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observe it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he, who, he gives thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat. And God gives him, uh, and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself. And no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let, let us not judge one another anymore. But rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block in, or cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers it anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is degraded because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which we may edify one another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are pure, but it's evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. That's a lot of verses there, and I read them all because they apply to all of these different things. Food, drinks, uh, the days, festivals, Sabbaths, it applies to all those things. The new moon. Uh, oh, let me back up. Regarding, that's a part or a portion. It's a natural, a natural allotment or a destiny. So don't let someone judge you, judge your destiny in the Lord over something insignificant like what you do or don't eat or what day you observe. You know, if you want to go to church on Saturday, as far as I'm concerned, knock yourself out. I mean, I don't, that doesn't bother me. You know, you need to be, you need to go to church. You need to worship the Lord. And the day that you choose to do it, I don't really have a problem with that. We, we do it on Sunday. If you come on Saturday, you're going to be by yourself. So you're not really going to be congregating with any brothers or sisters. Not in this building, but there are other churches that believe that it's right to worship on Saturday. I don't really have a problem with that. Because every day is just a day. Now, one day a week, we probably ought to set aside as a day of rest, that we ought to, we ought to Sabbath, 
And I don't think that means that you have to just lay in your bed or not do anything. I think what it means is you take a break, a rest from your normal routine. So if every day you're riding horses, maybe on that Sabbath day, whichever day you choose to do it, don't ride horses. Unless you're just doing it for fun because you just surely love to ride horses. Then it's not work anymore, right? We are free in Christ. We're not under all those commandments anymore. Now, I'm not saying that you know, we shouldn't rest. I'm not saying that we shouldn't obey the Ten Commandments, which you know, we shouldn't be killing and stealing and doing all those things. I, you know, there, use some logic here, folks. I'm not trying, to, not trying to confuse you. I'm just pointing out that we are not under the law. We've been set free. So the new moon, that was a big deal because there were festivals that happened every month and every so often, and it was all based on the number of days from the new moon. So they actually had observers, and this is back, you know, I mean, these were the, the Jews in, in the New Testament times when Jesus was walking. You know how, how meticulous they were about obeying the Sabbath, right? I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't walk more than a mile because that was a Sabbath day's journey. Any more than a mile, you were breaking the Sabbath. Then they got on to Jesus because the disciples were pulling off, you know, little pieces of grain as they walked through a field. Oh, they're working. I mean, it was crazy. They were so in tune with the Sabbath and all the requirements of that. But the new moon now, it was so important with their festivals and stuff, they had observers set up to watch for a new moon. And when the new moon was spotted, they would run to the, to the religious leaders and say, we spotted a new moon at such and such a time, you know, right before sundown. And, this, you know, and they could break the Sabbath to run and report the new moon. That's how, that's how a big a deal this was in new moons. And so then all the religious leaders, you know, whether it would be the Sanhedrin or whatever it was, they would, they would all discuss it. We, okay, we'll take his word for it. We believe. We accept this as a new moon. Okay, boom, officially it's a new moon. Now we can, we can advertise it publicly as of this day, this time, it's a new moon so we can plan all of our festivals. Wow, that's painful. That's, but... Even after Christ came and set us free from all that, gave us a new and living way, you still had people going around saying, you, you got to observe all these festivals. You got to do all this stuff. And I, there are still people doing that, by the way. I've, I've got a fellow that texts me every Friday night, Shabbat Salam. And it's like, okay. Uh, then, you know, a little while later, here's the teaching for this week, if you're interested. Okay, I'm not. And then a little, you know, once a month, you know, new moon spotted over Brock at 645. It's like, so? Yeah. But to him, that's really significant. I don't know why anybody right now in today's culture and, and calls himself a Christian would want to go back and try to, to honor all of those different days. Now, I know there is significance. And if you study them, you know, you can find that there is significance to all those festivals. But the significance for them was that they were pointing to a future event. It's what this next verse says, says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. They are a shadow of things to come. So you could talk about the new moon, the festivals, which were, you know, they were holy days. 
Uh, God actually ordained those things and told them to honor him in that way. Uh, there were new moon festivals, the beginning of a lunar cycle, the Sabbath, the day of rest, and they had special Sabbaths above and beyond the regular ones. But in Galatians 4, Paul is talking to the Galatians, and he says, even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. That means Daddy, God, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. In other words, you were idolatrous. Now, after you've known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. And man, I'm afraid for you, lest I've labored for you in vain. That's what Paul's saying. He said, you've been set free of all that, and you're going right back into it. And I'm concerned for you, because you're going back into the law. You're observing days and feasts and festivals and Sabbaths and all these different things. And I can show you in the scripture where Jesus is our rest. And we are supposed to enter into rest in him. That doesn't mean that out of the seven days each week you shouldn't rest. I'm just saying that it is not the same for us now as it was in the old covenant. I could show you about the festivals, how you know, they were significant for this reason, that reason, but they were shadows of things that were coming. We have the real thing now. We don't need the shadow any longer. The shadow of things to come. It was a foreshadow, an example that prefigures or foreshadows what is to come. It's an image cast by an object that represents the form of that object. So, if you stand in the sun, the sun shines this way, you're going to cast a shadow right here. If you can see my, my shadow, see, it's, uh, I don't know if you can see that, but uh, you know, there, I, I'm casting a shadow. That's not me. That's a shadow. I'm me. And that's what it is with Christ. He's not the shadow. He's the real dude. I mean, he is the thing. So all those things that they did before, they were shadows of what was to come. Hebrews 10.1, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. It was a shadow. It wasn't the actual thing. Hebrews 8.1, Now, this is the main point of these things we're saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary, of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also having, have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, this is talking about God said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. 
But now, Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry than the priest down here because he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. It's a shadow, but now he is the real thing. It was to come. It was destined to come. It was going to happen. It was a purpose that God had put in place from the very beginning of time. Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. It was destined to be. It was just a matter of when it actually happened. The shadow is not the thing. But the substance is of Christ. The substance. The reality. It literally means body. Isn't that an interesting word? The substance, the body. It is the body of Christ that makes it all real. It's not just the shadow. It's not just the stuff that we saw so that we could learn about it in advance, the foreshadowing, but he is actually the substance of it. He's the real deal. He is the body. The substance. That which fulfills or brings to reality or consummation. Understood as a real body as opposed to its shadow, which is only an indistinct representation. That's pretty clear. Your shadow, it just, you know, it's, you can't even tell who you are by looking at your shadow. It's just, you tell that it's a shadow of a person. Kind of like, you know, you see graphics, and, you know, sometimes it's just like, you know, an opaque uh, profile of a cowboy or something, and you can tell it's a cowboy because he's got a hat and boots. But you can't tell if it's Mitch or Carlos or Dan or, you know, Joe Blow. You know, you don't know because you can't tell. It's indistinct. It's not clear. The shadow was, it was not perfectly clear. But now that we have the actual substance and we look back at the shadow, it's like, wow, God was telling us 2,000 years ago. God was telling us 6,000 years ago exactly how it was going to be. He was showing us in advance so we would understand when the real thing happened. It's like, this is it. This is what we've been waiting on all this time. This is him. It's the real thing. We don't have to slaughter a lamb anymore. He's the lamb. And it's once for all. One time and we're good. But we can see it all so clearly now. And Paul, man, I mean, the guy was incredible the way he, he had understanding and insight into Scripture. He had studied the Scripture, and it was all Old Testament stuff. You know, he didn't have the New Testament because he was the one that wrote about half of it. So he was, he was familiar with all the Scriptures, and he began to walk with the Lord Jesus. All those Scriptures began to come alive to him. It's like, oh, this is what this means. This is what this means. And this is what this means. And he started explaining it to everybody and saying, this is the revelation of, of the... The mystery, it's been hidden from thousands of years. You couldn't see it, but now I'm giving it to you because God's revealed it to us. The mystery is no longer a mystery. It's plainly re revealed in the scripture. And we can see who Christ is. We can see what he did, why he did it, how he did it, what it means to us, how we participate in it. That's the good thing, is that we see that it's not just for a select few. That's what the Jews tried to do. They try to say, it's just for us, us four no more. You know what I mean? You can't come in. This is a special group, only us, only the ones that are willing to do everything perfect and be perfect. Yeah, all right. They weren't perfect. They just thought they were perfect. But that's, that's what it's all about. We need to know who we are in Christ, how we become that in Christ, and how we walk it out in everyday life and show other people. Because as you're walking along in everyday life, you see other people that are messed up and broken, they're discouraged, they're hurting, 
And you've got the answer. They don't know you have the answer, but you've got the answer. And you can say, look, this is the deal. I was just like you. I had all these areas of my life. I couldn't, I was never at peace. I'd lay down and go to sleep at night. I was miserable. I'd have to just sometimes just cry myself to sleep because I was so miserable. But I don't do that anymore because now Christ is coming to my heart. He's changed me. He's given me hope for the future. He's given me peace and joy and love. I can, I can love my enemies now. The people who are mean to me at work, I can just smile and just not say ugly things back. I can just let them rant and rave and yeah, it's all good. Go for it. I got broad shoulders. Pour it on. You know, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You don't think you can do it, but you can. You can endure all kinds of hardships. And you don't have to endure it crying and complaining and being miserable all along the way. You can endure it with a smile. You can endure it with joy. You can endure it with peace. You can be hopeful about tomorrow. It's all going to change. If it doesn't change tomorrow, well, I got tomorrow. It still can change tomorrow. doesn't change tomorrow, I got next week. It can still change. That's what hope does. It fills you up and it makes you excited about the future. It doesn't overwhelm you with the past, but it gives you hope that tomorrow is going to be different. And in my life, man, that is everything, having hope. Because when I mess up today, then I know that tomorrow it's a new day. I get to start over. It's like wipe it all clean and start over again, baby. It's all fresh. The mercy of God is new every day. It never runs out. His love never fails. It never ends. It is there. It is powerful. It's real. And we need to grab a hold of it Amen. all the time. You can walk this out. You don't have to be miserable. You don't have to be downtrodden. You don't have to be overwhelmed and discouraged. You can be victorious. Your circumstances may be horrible, but you can be victorious. Uh, Chris shared testimony with us yesterday. You know, she, she was sharing testimony out of bad things that happened in her life. She was talking about having to have surgery, having problems and things that were going on. But she's looking at the positive. The positive is she's growing. The positive is she's changing. The positive is she's not the same person she was before all that started. That's the victory. That's the victory. We can have victory. We don't have to walk in defeat. The substance is of Christ. So don't let anyone cheat you out of your reward. Don't let anyone cheat you. That means to disqualify you, to declare you unfit. And you know who tries to declare you unfit more than anybody? The devil. He's always whispering in your ear saying, you are such a pitiful, worthless slob. You are so messed up. You are so broken. You're never going to be victorious. You know this sin you got in your life? Yeah, you're never going to get over that. That's the way you're going to always be. You might as well just accept it. That's who you are. That is a lie. He's trying to disqualify you. He's trying to cheat you out of your reward. Your reward is that God has given you promises. And he said you have eternal life. And you also have abundant life right now. Your reward is who you're going to be in Christ. But the devil wants to convince you that that's not going to happen. He wants to disqualify you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to deceive you and beguile you and cheat you out of your reward. Because he can't take it from you legitimately. The only way he can do it is to, is to trick you. That's what he did to Adam and Eve. When he came to Adam and Eve and he said... God didn't really say it that way. Here's what he said. He twisted the word. And they said, well, maybe you're right. And the minute they partook of that fruit, it was like they just, they said, well, I got the keys to the entire earth. And here you go. 
given them to you. That's what happens. When you, when you let the devil trick you, you hand him the keys to everything that God has promised you and you let him cheat you out of your reward. And I say it's time that we start taking them back. You know, no more. I'm taking my keys back. Every morning when I pray, that's what I do. I take back my keys. I say, Lord, show me the areas in my life that I've believed a lie. Areas in my life that I've believed uh, deception, that I've walked in agreement with that. And I just say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm asking, forgive me. Cleanse me. Heal me. Change me. I'm not going to be that way anymore. And then I just begin to say, you know, devil, you're a liar. I don't agree with you anymore. I break agreement with you. So from now on, I'm just casting you down, casting you out. I'm taking those keys back. Putting them in my pocket for safekeeping. Put a chain on that and a lock so they don't come out and get lost or something. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to walk in freedom and victory. It's not just a little bit. He wants you to be free. All the time. In every part of your life. Not just in some areas. Not just in your eternal salvation. He wants you to walk in abundant life right now. You know, when we all get to heaven, you know, that's great. It's going to be great when we get to heaven. But can we not enjoy life right now? Can we not walk in victory? Can we not walk in all the peace and prosperity that God has promised us? He has. He's abound he is pouring out his abounding goodness on us right now. And we need to expect that. Don't expect everything to go wrong. Expect everything to go right. Don't expect everything to be miserable and bad. Expect it to be good. His goodness abounds towards us. Worship team, y'all can come back. So we didn't make it through all this. If you want to find out more about how you're not supposed to get cheated, you have to come back next week or tune into the live stream. Um, and I didn't do that on purpose. It just, uh, just happened out that way. I'm, I am convinced, though, that God is doing something wonderful and miraculous in this body. He's doing it in me, and I see it happening in some of you, and I am excited about what is, what is transpiring right here before our eyes. We need to embrace that. We need to begin to grab a hold of that and say, yes, I agree, Lord, yes, I embrace it. Yeah, I want it for me. And I don't want you to look around and see other people, you know, all excited and say, well, I wish I could get excited. Look at those people and just say, yes, I'm in. I'm all in. Because it is... It is to the extent that you are willing to invest yourself and participate that God is going to do that in your life. Because God is pouring it out on everybody. But the ones that receive are the ones that are saying, here I am. I mean, if I see, if I see rainfall and I want to be in the rain, I go outside. I don't stay in the house. I go position myself where I can receive it. Amen. If you want to get in the shower, go get in the shower. Don't say, shower, come to me. That's not the way it works. And you want to be under the blessing of the Lord, find where it's coming down, where it's blessing, where he's pouring out, and get under it. Position yourself to receive what God is pouring out. Amen. That's our part, is to position ourselves with a humble heart, with a heart that is for him, with an attitude of repentance. Coming to him and saying, here I am. I just want you to, I, I'm just giving myself it. If you do that, God responds. And that's what we want. We want God to respond. We want God to respond to our needs. We want to be changed. We want to be like him. So I want to invite you to stand and worship. And as we sing, if you, uh, you be thinking about it. If you, you have a prayer request, you want to have someone lay hands on you or pray with you, we'll have someone meet you at the altar and we'll, we'll pray with you. We believe in miracles. We believe in healing. We believe in uh, 
deliverance, if you've got an addiction in your life that you need to be set free from, God can do that. It can all happen right here, right now, today. Amen. Believe and receive. That's our, that's our responsibility. Let's worship. Pray that prayer. You are a born-again believer. But you need to begin to tell people. You need to 
get baptized in water just like we did this morning for these young people. You need to make a public confession that Jesus is your Lord. So as we sing this last song, I invite you, if you want to know Jesus, you need prayer, come on. Don't wait. Hallelujah. Sing about the goodness of God, y'all. Come on.
think about that. The goodness of God is running after you. How about we slow down a little bit and let it catch us? Just let it overrun us and let it begin to take its full effect in our lives. Don't run from God's goodness. Let it, let it overtake you. It's Thank running you. after you all the time. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Makes me want to shout. Yes. How about that? How about a good old Texas yeehaw? Yeehaw! Woo! <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Yes. Go and be blessed. Have a great week. All the things that are going on, don't forget. Pray for our campers. Pray for the adults going. Man, it's going to be good. God bless you and have a great week.